So the recording just started because it just popped up on top of my thing. I should have paid attention to that, too. All right. My bad. No big deal. All good. All right. Hello, everybody. OCNZ and friends. Sean O'Connell, Zach Raya, Great Face Dave. Glad to be back with you. Full disclosure, we decided to take a break. It's Wednesday. We're going to release this thing probably on Thursday. And the last four or five days, our country's been upside down and in some places literally on fire. So just thought that it was better to kind of let the moment breathe. And in my case, and I think at least for Zachariah, I kind of speak for him a little bit as well, you know, as middle-aged 30-something white dudes who have been very um, fortunate. Privileged. Where we were raised. You can use the P word, privileged. I don't like using the tag phrases on stuff. I really don't. But anyway, we decided that we would take a day off and kind of just absorb everything that's going on before we tried to come on and do a cast that will definitely fall short in doing justice to the gravity of this situation. But hopefully we will at least entertain you a little bit and maybe make you laugh in a time that it's hard to laugh for some people. So that's my two cents, at least to provide a preamble. Yeah, I think, you know, what we're going to try and start doing is recording on Monday and Wednesday and releasing on Tuesday and Thursday. And we just decided Monday that given everything that's going down and it's kind of all coming to a head with the pandemic combined with the video of what happened with the officer and the unarmed black man that did not need to have a knee on his neck for eight minutes and ended up costing him his life. And we just felt like as people that are not really in the position to be able to sympathize or know what that's like, that it would be better for us to listen rather than talk about it. And again, we're not going to brush it under the rug or say that we don't acknowledge what's going on, but we just felt like it would have been weird for us to pretend like we had expertise in that particular area. And it would also be weird just to like talk about sports as if nothing happened. So we kind of just sat that out. And I think now, I think, look, everybody can agree that what happened was horrible. What's been happening has been horrible for a long time. And I struggled with, you know, do you post something on Instagram where people are posting like blackout Tuesday? I struggled with whether or not I should do that. I created a post where I could actually read it. Hang on. Give me a second. Well, while you're finding that, and great face, Dave, obviously I want your perspective on this is we need it. But when it comes to the social media presence, like I don't think my voice is an important voice in this situation. And I know that there's people out there that they're pulling the Dr. King quotes and, you know, to be silent means to be complicit. And I hope that that's not actually the case. I mean, I had a few words to say about it, but like, I don't know what throwing my black square up on Instagram really adds to the conversation. I think the people close to me, the people, hopefully even the people that are not close to me, but that have followed what I can call a career over the last decade plus, hopefully those people know that I hope to be more a part of the solution than part of the problem. But the social media element is a totally different angle that you have to make sure that you're carefully curating these words that ultimately don't mean a damn thing. Now, if you're a leader in the black community, if you're a leader in the community, period, You probably do need to be putting out statements. I just don't know if something from me is impactful one way or the other. Go ahead, Dave, if you want to weigh in. Otherwise, I can read what I wrote but didn't post, which I guess I'm posting now because I'm putting it out on the podcast. Uh, I want to hear what you got to say. I said, been going back and forth on what to post here. Took down my last post because I'm not sure me golfing as if nothing is happening is the best look. In parentheses, thanks to a little heads up from a little birdie, this girl that I went to high school with. 
texting me like, you know, you kind of have a platform and people really listen to you. Do you think that you should just be pretending like nothing's happening? I said, also not sure the best look is just posting whatever is trending or current or hip, etc. Don't get outraged without actually making a difference. Get petitions signed. Don't raid a local store owner. Elect people that will change shit. Don't set fire to something. I'm as privileged as they come thanks to my hardworking immigrant parents that are white. I played hoop my whole life when I was usually the only white boy in the squad. I've been called Black Zach since middle school. Went to Kennedy and Richmond where I was literally one of three white people, at least by my count. I've seen horrendous injustices firsthand. I'm not saying that to say that I have some sort of black cred, but I implore all of you out there to actually do something. My beloved father, who I mentioned on every single podcast, God rest his soul, spent hours upon hours trying to make change, petitioning, going to board meetings, joining committees and rallies, etc. usually to save the forest industry or protest the war. But I say that to say, do something. Don't just post. And the reason why I've been hesitant to post is that when I look in the mirror, I know that I haven't. And I didn't post that because, again, I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do. Like, I don't know if you should send the black box. I don't know if you should send a post like I sent. But the way that I really feel is if you actually want to make a difference, it's not so much about going out and causing ruckus or posting something on Instagram. It's about actually doing something. And I am the first to admit that I'm not doing shit. So it feels hypocritical and hollow for me to post anything. I thought it was a well-thought-out post. I thought it was a – I think you should post that. I think that it shows a lot of self-awareness, and that's probably important. But, again, I'll be very honest, and I hate saying this. I was like, look, I just need to listen and learn and watch, okay? I've not been in denial of racism my whole life. I know racism exists. I know that the experience for my friends of color are different than my experiences. I have at times exploited that to my advantage, to where we're at a party and the party gets broke up or people are in trouble I know that I can kind of smooth talk a police officer that's responding and hopefully get everyone out of a little bit of trouble. I know that that can't happen. Well, it usually can't happen if you're an African-American or if you're a Mexican-American or even a Polynesian-American, which that's really the, the main demographic of minority that I grew up with out here in Utah. I knew if I was hanging out with two of my very best friends on planet Earth, they're more like brothers to me, a pair of Samoan brothers. Now, they're half white. But they look someone, so they're treated as someone. And when we would be hanging out and we'd be getting into trouble, there were times where I knew that my presence with them made them... Would diffuse the situation. Which is awful. Okay, so I, I haven't lived in denial of any of this my whole life. I've known it existed. But I really don't feel that, like, me posting about it on Twitter or Instagram is, to your point, Zach, is really doing anything. It's more about affecting change. It's more about how you individually treat people. It's more about what kind of businesses you support, who you elect in these, you know, voting processes, things like that. Yep. And I ended up posting something on Twitter yesterday that I thought was pretty simple and probably far from adequate. But part of the reason I did that was because of the pressure of social media where I didn't want people to think that my silence was complicit, that my silence by me not posting was being like, uh, you know what, black lives don't matter. Uh, this is all like these rioters, you know. I didn't want to be put in the same category as all of the folks that are silent for a reason that they don't support. So I posted something, not because I think social media is the right way for us to combat this problem, yeah. but because I was scared that people would would look at me and think like, oh, that guy's a white privileged racist because he doesn't have anything to say here. And exactly. That's cowardly. That's so cowardly of me. But that's why I'm admitting it here, because, like, if I feel the words were important enough to post, why do I only feel they're important enough to post when I'm scared for my own reputation? 
that's bullshit. That's a bad stance to take. But I'm trying to tell people the truth. And that right there, OC, is everything in a nutshell. When I posted the picture of me golfing, which happened to be with three white guys, so I guess it made it look even worse. But when I posted that Cavalier, I was doing that innocently because, honestly, I try to stay away from all this stuff. And it's it's part of what, like, crushed my dad. Like, the only time my dad's really been disappointed in me is when I told him, like, I see it as hard to think that one person can make a difference. And his whole thing was, if everybody thinks that way, then the narrative is never going to change. And I crushed him when I said that. But that's, that is how I feel. Like, if I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in the past election, it didn't affect whether or not she won California. But if everybody thinks like that, then nothing's going to get done. But right. in terms of the social media stuff, OC, there is that damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. And it's so stupid to me. It's what I hate about social media. If I didn't do sports broadcasting, if I didn't do something where I wanted to get our product out, I wouldn't be on anything. I wouldn't be on Facebook. I wouldn't be on Twitter. I wouldn't be on Instagram. I hate all of it. I got an update. My nephew got his finger severed from a security thing that my that my brother put into his house. He got his finger severed. And I got an update from my best friend because my sister-in-law posted something on Facebook or Instagram or whatever before I even found out about that. And I, I don't know about people's lives and people get offended. They're like, oh, you didn't see that I got into a relationship or got out of a relationship or had this or had a baby or whatever. And I'm like, no, because I want to hear it from you. I don't want to find out about your life via social media. I want you to call me and tell me about it. At least send me a text about it. But I got an update on my nephew's severed finger. He's fine, by the way. It's totally fine. He's 100% normal. But I got that update from my best friend because he saw it from my sister-in-law posting something on social media. That's not the way that you're supposed to get information about your family. All right. Great Face Dave has been patiently observing us, hopefully not sticking our feet in our mouths. Um, (laughs) I think we've been all right. No, you guys have been great. You know, me growing up, I grew up in Pleasanton. I'm mixed race. Pleasanton's mostly white. I feel like I was like a kind of a chameleon because I'm German, Italian, English, and Irish. Okay. That's my dad's dad's side. And then his mom is Korean. And then my mom's side is Creole, which is like French and Indian, some Cuban from Louisiana. And her dad is more Indian than French and more Cuban. And then my granny mom, she's more French and she looks very white skinned, you know, and growing up, I just was kind of like, at a white school, you could probably count all the mixed cultures on a couple hands. At the same time, it's like, yeah, when I knew that I was going to get in trouble or if there was police involved or something like that and there was an incident or something, you know, they might say, like, we have a male Hispanic here. And I would be like, I'm Caucasian. And they would (laughs) immediately change their tone. But my experiences are literally like the drop in the bucket or the particle that gets you sick from the coronavirus of the spectrum of stereotyping or categorizing people. And yeah, I wanted to come on the air and talk about sports on Monday. And I didn't know what to say. Like, I wanted to talk about the NASCAR race. I wanted to talk about the UFC fight. I know that all this stuff is going down in our country. It's like the pimple and it's just ready to burst. That's how our country feels right now. It's the whitehead and it's so big. And it's like, okay, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry to interrupt. Number one, those people that watch those pimple popping videos, like that's a thing, is the most disgusting thing in the world. I cannot believe that that exists. But I know people that watch pimples getting popped. That's like a thing. They get like 900 million views on YouTube. 
Dr. Yeah. Pimple Popper. I'm all Dr. about that. Dr. Pimple What? You I, like yeah. it, OC? I love watching, not the ones where it's like a disgusting huge tumor being removed, but if it's actually just like, wow, that is an ear or a nose or something with blackheads. The back, the back ones. The ones on the back. Yeah, the, the ones back. on the back. And the only way you're getting this one out is if I went to the doctor. I know what you're saying, Zach. Oh I will go through Facebook, and if oh I, God. every once in a while, like every like two or three months, the Dr. Pimple Popper, for some reason, shows up in my feed, and I can't stop. That's right. I watch I, for honestly, hours. This is the first time that I have like not wanted to do I can't believe that I do a podcast with two people that like watching that. You have to be <laughs> sick and deranged to like oh. watching that. I feel acknowledge that there's something pathological about it. It's like a really – it's a the horror- like? What is the like about a pimple getting popped? It's just fascinating. It's, it's so- disgusting, OC. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's fascinating, though, because it's just like, whoa, human skin, like a little tiny pinpoint whitehead or blackhead, and there can be a volcano of you infection. Like poop? Do, do you want to see poop smathered all over somebody? No. It's the same thing. It's disgusting. Those things should be pushed deep, dark down into an alley that I'd never see. It's disgusting. But, like, here's the thing. My twisted view on this goes so deep. Like, if a complete stranger walked up to me, oh God. which is like, bro, I have a zit on my oh back God. I cannot reach. Will you oh get God. that from me? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I would do, OC? I would run as far and as fast as I could. 100% telling me that you would pop it for the guy? Would. I'm a servant of humanity in that regard. You, you have to sick. be my friend. Help, medication. You need to see a doctor. All you millions of people that are watching pimples getting popped, all of you need help. Stop describing pimples and just describe how the country is about to burst. Not like a whitehead. Treat it like actual. Wasn't there a fruit candy called burst? No. This you, is a perfect metaphor, so keep it's this festering, disgusting fit. Yes. Yeah, and... The way that things are going and the way that our system's built, it's totally built to hold everyone back except for a certain group. And I don't know where this is going to go in our country, but I kind of feel like the way things are going and the only way that things are going to get right in this world is if the powers that be build our structure of our government and all that kind of stuff like that. Everything has to change. Everything has to be different. It has to start from the top and it's not going to start for what we have right now. You know, congressmen and senators, they're in there for years. We need new people. People need to get out and they need to vote. They need to change our system where someone shouldn't be able to be in there for 30 years. There needs to be regulation on it. There needs to be term limits. I get it. Once you get in there, I feel like you're unstoppable and you're untouchable and you can't leave. And then the system that was okay 30 years ago, they think it's going to be okay in 30 years. And whatever we are right now, within 30 years. It's going to be a lot so, yeah, and I, You know, for yeah, me, yeah. it's tough to say that there's a silver lining or that there's any good that you can take from a senseless, completely unjust, deplorable murder. But if George Floyd died for anything, I think the timing in terms of everybody working from home, everybody being able to soak everything in, like – This is really breaking news for a lot of people, which is crazy to me. Like OC talked about back in his high school days that he dealt with police and he knew about it then. But this is somehow breaking news for a lot of people. And it wouldn't have happened if it didn't happen during this time because there's countless other people who have dealt with the same thing. I saw Steph Curry talking about he's like, I don't post a lot on Instagram. His wife sure does. But he doesn't post a lot on Instagram. And he said like four posts before When he posted about George Floyd, he was posting about another senseless murder that had happened. But it really is breaking news for a lot of people because 
with the world at a standstill because of the pandemic, they're actually focusing on it now. So if there's any silver lining to take from it, at least this one is not going to be in vain and not something that just goes by the news story or the newswire or whatever, and we just turn the page. People are laser-focused on it because it happened in a time where everybody's focused on everything. Well, I hope you're right. I'm not convinced that you're right. That You don't think this one's different, O.C.? I mean, it feels very different because of the way that the people have mobilized in basically every American city and all that stuff. But it's not like we haven't seen moments, flashpoints, and murders like this before, right? I, I mean, know, but no, you're, you're right, OC, but what I'm saying is the country wasn't on the pause button. If you want to go back to the VCR days, the good old VCR days. <laughs> Anyways. Down that rabbit hole, but yeah. No, you're right that there's the circumstances, right, are quite different this time around. But my concern is that because of this, we're all super hyper focused on it right now, for lack of a better term, because we don't have another option. Well, we are a couple weeks away from the country opening again, and there's going to be news associated with that. There's going to be stock market trends associated with that. There's going to be political trends associated with that. There's going to be another spike in the coronavirus, which was our biggest concern for a long time because of that. And I hope that three weeks from now and three months from now and three years from now, we are still as aware as we are this week because the news cycle turns over very quickly in America, especially a perfect example is what's going on right now. If you turned on the news last Thursday, less than a week ago, it's not like racism didn't exist in America last Thursday, but there was no story about racism, about protests, about anything like that last Thursday. And then we have this horrible senseless act and the death of a man. And instead of us talking about coronavirus every day, the conversation shifts. Now, my hope is the conversation doesn't again shift to whatever the next big news item is. We need to keep this energy, not the looting and not the rioting. But we need to keep this energy of a press for change, civil discourse, hopefully being very aware of what our political leaders are doing and failing in this moment. I hope that the narrative doesn't change in a week because the narrative is very different this week than it was last week. And I don't want it to be so different next week. Yeah, I'm with you. I guess color me optimistic. And I'm usually not the optimist. I'm the one that wants to hear the bad news before the good news. I feel like this is different and this is going to resonate. And like I said, there will always be that particular percent of the population that nothing will change their views. Nothing will change them being oppressive. But I do think that this was a huge wake-up call for a large part of the population that might have been categorized in that oppressive percentage of the population, but they're not actually that. And now they're a little bit more aware, and that tide can turn a little bit. And again, you could be right, OC. There could be a spike in the pandemic. There could be, you know, whatever could happen. Sports could come back. We could all just ignore all of this, and nothing goes down. This one feels a little bit different. Well, it's interesting because laugh all you want about me being the white kid from Salt Lake City, Utah, where a lot of times issues like this just fly right over, right? Issues like this, they don't land in Salt Lake City. We watch it on TV and we're just like, oh, man, really sorry to hear about that guy. But like even you don't have enough dark people for it to register. But that's the thing. Even I mean, we had a mini riot here and we've had continuous days of protests and marching on the Capitol and things like that. 
even here. So to your point, I think that this is heavier for people, whether it's because of the circumstances or because more reasonably, you look at the fact that the first civil rights movement, the first big forward push in the civil rights movement was when our parents were too young to understand. So why are we still fighting these same battles now? I hope that category you're talking about, and maybe we belong in it. I hope not. But that middle American who was unaffected by it, they don't have like a personal attachment to these causes in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Hopefully now it's become personal for them. Because let's be honest, that's the only time we as Americans really care. Is it personal to us? Yeah. Or that maybe your neighbor's business got broke into or your neighbor knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. Maybe now it's personal to you. I think the video went a long way. Obviously, I mean, think about before people had cameras on their phones. Think about how much shit went down that never went actually public. So I think that that had a large part to do with it. And then also, it's just it's the humanity part of it. Like, even if you're kind of racist or full blown racist, you watch that and it's a little tough. I mean, well, I guess if you're full blown racist, it's not tough to watch. But if you're even just a little bit racist or like not full blown racist, watching that is insane. And I can't believe, first of all, that it took that long for the guy to get charged. What was it, three or four days? And it was just because of the public outrage. The Ahmaud Arbery situation was weeks. Yeah. Those two guys that hunted him down in a pickup truck and executed him in broad daylight, it took weeks. It took until the video leaked to the public. I mean, that's why if you're going to start this change and it needs to be massive and systemic and whatever, if you're going to start it, the first place you have to start it is with law enforcement. Because yep. most cops are good cops. I fully yep. acknowledge that. But I would say probably just offhand, I would say probably 75% at least. But the problem is you can do a lot of damage with those. Tw- I mean, look at Trayvon Martin. That guy got off for that. Yeah. The problem is we've got an issue everywhere in every segment of society. But the tip of the spear, so to speak, that is being used against these minority communities is a police force, and that's it breaks my heart because one of my best friends in the world, he's a man that I've known since my freshman year of college, and he's a great cop. He's just put in the same category as a guy that knelt on George Floyd's neck. He doesn't belong in that category. I promise you he doesn't belong in that category. He's a great man. He's a sensitive, caring guy. He's a loving dad. He's a good husband. He's someone who keeps calm under pressure. He's someone that doesn't panic, even if It's escalating into violence. He's what cops should be, but there are going to be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that look at every police officer and say, he's a bad dude. And look, I'm glad we're charging that officer with murder. I think that the three that stood around and did nothing, that should definitely be a more severe charge. I think that the guys standing around should be accessory to the fact because one of the most evil things you can do is watch evil being done and do nothing about it, right? Well, no, no, hang on. See, even worse, he was keeping people at bay to allow that office. Now, granted, maybe he didn't know specifically what he was doing or that he was going to kill him. But I know, if I, again, I'm not even anything close to a cop. But if, me, if you and I were cops and we were partners and you were doing that, I'd be like, hey, bro, take your knee off his neck. He's handcuffed. He's not armed. Let him up. Yeah, we could spend an hour dissecting the video and what's wrong in the video. But the point is... That is just like a really super clear manifestation of the problem that goes way deeper into society than a lot of yep. people want to admit. Yep. And I went on to my Pac-12 radio show yesterday, Zach, after three, four days of protests, some of them violent, but 
most of them peaceful. And I thought what we were seeing was a little bit of a shift in the attitude that even middle America was accepting, like, man, this doesn't really affect me personally, John, white guy from Omaha, Nebraska. But if I want peace and happiness and justice in America, I need to make sure that my black brothers and sisters or my Mexican brothers and sisters, that they're being treated just as well as I am. I really thought that people who wanted to deny this for a long time were being forced to confront it. And then I saw, and this is the first sports mention we'll talk about on a sports broadcast. I saw comments today from Drew Brees. Drew Brees, who's a guy who has rebuilt his community, a largely black community post-Hurricane Katrina. He has been instrumental in lifting New Orleans back up after a natural disaster leveled that city. And even Drew Brees refused to acknowledge that police brutality is a problem, that Colin Kaepernick's original protest was probably, in hindsight, a lot more justified than we really gave it credit for in the first place. So I was optimistic yesterday on my radio show that people were going to have a different attitude when we got back to relative normalcy, when the protests died down, and someone still wants to have that voice. I thought we would be more willing to listen. And Drew Brees, of all people, who by every account is a good guy, Drew Brees, he went out there on a public forum in an interview and was just like, yeah, man, don't kneel in front of the flag. That means you hate the troops. It's like you're missing the point still. Even you, Drew Brees, who's supposed to be woke, who's a beloved son of a primarily black city, you still don't understand. So my optimism is tempered today. Yeah, that's the crazy part. LeBron posted a picture of Kaepernick non-violently, silently protesting on his knee side by side with the police officer killing a man, taking a man's life. On a knee, side by side, and for the NFL to come and make their statement about, like, forget all that. Kaepernick was blackballed, and you could look at any roster, and he would be the best backup. You could look at a lot of rosters, and he would be the best starter at quarterback. Not a lot. Some, I would say. But in the very least, he'd be the best backup in the league. And he's not playing in the NFL because of something. This is what he was doing it for. Now, granted, he shouldn't have done the pig socks and, you know, the Castro shirt and stuff like that. There are some places where he went awry. But ultimately, what he was protesting was police injustice towards minorities. And now that's at the forefront. And the NFL is trying to claim, like, we're totally supportive of all this. But no, you're not. Because you allowed a quarterback who was young and thriving in his prime to no longer be able to have a job because he was kneeling for that specific injustice it's a shame anyways can we get into our normal show i got a rona rant i got i got some sports news i got a viewing recommendation come on baby i'm ready to rock we could try and it's gonna have to be short because we spent 45 minutes talking about this issue that we wanted to spend 10 minutes on but uh as anyone out there listening knows we barely 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 scratched the surface look i want to say this i know that being a upper middle class white dude you think it pits me against the movement that we're seeing right now. I promise you I'm not against it. Violence and cop killing and looting and stuff like that is probably not the way to express your anguish. But I promise you that on this show, we acknowledge that there are injustices and there's an imbalance of power that needs to be fixed. Okay? We're going to try to do our best to entertain you, to get back to sports. But we're not living in denial. Okay? 
We're not. And we're also acknowledging that, number one, we don't suffer those injustices. I can't speak for Greyface Dave. Maybe he has. But we don't specifically. And also, we're not experts on this shit. So it's hard for me to sit here and stand on some sort of soapbox and act like I know what I'm talking about. And also, what I would just implore people, and that's part of what I was saying with my post, is rather than acknowledging that you're angry and that there's a problem, do something about the problem. Whether it's electing people to make a difference or it's getting petitions signed or it's going out there, it's like that is what is going to have more of an effect than anything else, than anything that you post, anything that – I mean, yes, bring awareness to stuff, but also do shit. And I'm saying that as somebody that I know when I look in the mirror, I don't do shit. And I'm not do proud po- about that. I'm just being positive. honest about that. Keep it positive. Yeah, I mean, we could all drink a big cup of coffee of just be kind. I mean, a lot of this shit would just go by the wayside if you were just nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and look, a lot of people in our age group are raising children right now, young children. It starts right there. My grandfather marched on Washington with Martin Luther King, but there's a lot of people in that age group that have prejudices, right? For and sure. And if they were passed down to your parents and to you, don't yeah. pass it down to your kids. That's the beauty of all of this is that there's hope. With youth, you know, I mean, I can do this seamlessly into my Rona rant, which is that I was able to see my nieces and nephews for the first time in three months last night. Let's go. Okay, so, yeah, my Rona rant is I literally came to tears last night out of pure joy and happiness that I got to see my two nephews and my niece last night, who I have not seen because my sister-in-law, I love her to death, but she's super paranoid. And she's worried about very irresponsible Uncle Zach, <laughs> who may or may not be doing the best at social distancing and blah, 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 blah. So she hasn't let me over there. And I finally got to the point where I was like, I call her Syl. That's short for sister-in-law. And she calls me Bill, which is short for brother-in-law. Gotcha. So I said, Syl, I'm coming over. Okay? I'm coming over. And not only am I coming over, I'm kissing. I'm hugging. So I finally got to see them. And I was brought to I, I was pretty close to tears just on how happy. First of all, my youngest nephew, Calvin, is getting way too old. Like, he was rocking jeans last night. Like, he was at the club. I was like, when did this happen? Like, the last time I saw him, he was barely walking. Now that fool's, like, strutting around the house like he, like, owns the joint. And then my older nephew, Jackson, he didn't age as much. And my niece, Sienna, she didn't age as much. But I was just so happy to see them. And we had a whole family night. And my Rona rant was just the happiness that at least it's getting somewhat close to normal to the point where I can see my nieces and nephews. I like that. My Rona rant is about the inconsistency in social distancing measures and whatnot. So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake is still on like an orange threat level or whatever. So what is that, by the way? Yeah, what is that? My dad used to make fun of that all the time when it came to, like, the international danger. Like, you remember that when Bush was president? They would have, like, threat-level orange, threat-level yellow, threat-level marmalade. Yeah, why, yeah, why, what did red ever do to anyone that that had to be the bad one? I know. That's Poor a, red. Red's a great color. You know? Why can't it be threat-level green? Yeah, yeah. What did red do to you? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I think it's because it's the color of the devil or hell, maybe. I don't know. Fire. So in Salt Lake, you know, you got to like restaurants are still in a lot of places closed and whatnot. And in Utah County, which is for me, it takes 30 minutes to drive there. Everything's wide open, has been wide open for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's like not even state by state border. It's county by county border. <laughs> wow. So you could literally be one foot over and shit's different than the foot on cool. the other side. 
Correct. So last night it was my second wedding anniversary. So oh, congrats! Congratulations. Thank you. I was like, I want to take my wife out to dinner. Wait, how old is your daughter? Did you guys shotgun? No, no, no. Okay. She's only a year old. I was just messing with you. My wife got pregnant like two months after we got married. <laughs> you know, people do the math on that. Like I always do. My, my sister-in-law showed me an Instagram post of a girl that I went to high school with, and she was like. Uh, their wedding was seven months ago. <laughs> My daughter was born 11 months after we got married. So yeah. yeah, but anyway, so yeah, it was our wedding anniversary and I was like, I want to take my wife out to dinner, but you can't go and sit down at a nice restaurant in Salt Lake County. I was like, okay, we'll just drive down to Utah County. And we went, to, so we went. So ridiculous. Like, so you yeah. just went a mile further and you were able to enjoy a nice dinner. Basically, yes. And so, I mean, that's a little bit silly. I appreciate precaution. I really do. I'm glad people have tried to flatten the curve and whatnot. I think it was the right thing to do when we had less knowledge about this virus and what it was going to do to all the people that got sick. But pretty funny that in a state that pretends to be careful, they're just like, well, just drive across the county line and you can have dinner in a restaurant. It's the same thing at Costco or Safeway, right? You go in there and everybody's got these signs marked out. They've got X's on the floor and you're supposed to stand here or whatever. But if somebody sees like some bread that they want from an aisle, they'll just walk three inches in front of your face to pick up the bread and go back. Nobody's actually doing what you're supposed to do. Right, that's my Rona rant. What do you got, Great Face Dave? My Rona rant is I live in the Bay Area. They've no been shit. Showing all of the news over the weekend about the riots and the protests across the country. And then the protests and some riots started in San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, and they were showing that. But Monday came around and the protests started getting closer. Okay. I live in Union City and there was protests, there was civil unrest, there was rioting and looting going on in San Leandro, Hayward, Walnut Creek. And my runaround is basically that the news media that I go to watch our local news, et cetera, has not been covering it. I have to go to third-party entities like YouTube, and the Bay Area News will have a helicopter on the YouTube, but they will not have any of that coverage on their actual nightly news. And I've been recording the news at five o'clock or six o'clock, seven o'clock or eight o'clock, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So me and my wife have been going through the news and it's just like, we're just trying to find out information. And the news that we're watching, it's only the first 10 minutes of the news and they show what happened the night before, but they're not showing what's going on. And I don't know if it's that they don't want the looters and the rioters to know that they're being tracked or they know that they're onto this place, but like I'm getting more information about LA riots than I am about my own hometown. And that's my runner rant. And I don't understand why it has to be this way. But like, if you're news media, you need to show the news like unbiased and just show what's going on. You don't need to speak your opinion on stuff, but you do need to let the people know around you what's going on in their local areas. So if I'm going to watch the local news, show me what's going on in the local news, please. And that's my runner rant. All right, you got back to serious. We were supposed to. I know, but you we said we're supposed to lighten the convo, Dave. No, it's fine, great face, Dave, and it's a reasonable request. All right, Zachariah, you wanted to talk about something sports related. We got ten minutes to do so. What do you got? Where do you have to be in ten minutes? I gotta take my daughter to the zoo. <laughs> That's so tight. Is, God, that, in, is that in Utah County? No, actually, so the zoo they've implemented this new like social distancing plan. You show up at an appointment time. So there's no one near you when you walk in and you have to stay like 
when another family is looking at the lions or whatever, you have to wait until they're done looking at the lions and you walk up, you look at the lions. So we're going to try it out. I think it's more for my wife than for my daughter, but whatever. First of all, the zoo is the most underrated place on the planet. Like I would have a birthday at the zoo. I love the zoo more I than most it. people love the zoo. Is that a double whammy place? Do they have an aquarium there? Uh, no, they don't. I mean, they have like a seal exhibit, but it's not like a big, beautiful. I see. I never thought I would say this, but I would love to be in Salt Lake City right now going to the zoo with you, your wife, and little Fets, which is what I call her. You allowed me to call her that. Uh, let's, we can just skip. I mean, we went an hour, so we can just skip my sports topic. It's not time related. I just, I'll give a little tease, if you will, in the industry, OC, Ooh. as you know so well from your time at 95.7. I don't understand how Cam Newton is not signed. So that's what I want to get into. And I want to go through every single team and whether or not you would want Cam Newton on your roster. He was a fucking MVP. Oh, he was a freaking MVP. I'll edit that out. He was an MVP like five years ago. Okay, you want to talk about Cam Newton? We got the NBA coming back at the end of July. They've announced the plan that's going up for approval. Everyone's expected to approve 22 teams. Orlando, Florida. Even better. Then we can save Cam Newton for a week from now. (laughs) All right, perfect. All right, Pippen. Viewing recommendations or what, though? Oh, yeah, we could do that. So (laughs) I sent you that text. You didn't respond because you're the worst friend ever, and you never respond to anything. I laughed out loud genuinely to myself, and I forgot to respond to you. So you'll be okay. You're just a bad friend. I mean, bottom line is I put – you should know this, Great Face Dave. You know I love you. You and I have uh, had great times together, specifically that one time when we went to that wedding. So you know I love you, and I know you love me back. OC – OC is just a bad friend, okay? I mean, it's just plain and simple. I put a mint on his pillow. He stayed at my house probably probably double digits. I gave, you a, I gave you a wake-up service. My dog came in and licked your face. <laughs> you didn't do that. That's just because Mr. President loves me. No, Anyways, I, I taught him I sent, that just for you. I sent OC a text, and God bless Susanna, who apparently listens to this all the time. I went to Contra Costa College with her, and she sent me a text that said, Hey, since you love cocaine, LOL. Have you watched the series Dope on Netflix? And I said, I do not love cocaine. Anyways, that's my recommendation. I haven't even seen it yet, but I'm going to watch it because Susanna, who listens to our podcast, faithfully told me to. All right. I started watching 000 the other day. Yeah. I fell asleep like three minutes in. So Ooh. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. It's not a commentary on the show. It's just the fact that you're married and have a kid. <laughs> I'm laying down and I turn something on. It's just, I'm out. Bye-bye, OC. My viewership recommendation, everyone went bananas over The Last Dance, right? Yep. We all enjoyed it. If you're not watching Lance, also, the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 documentary series, doing yourself a disservice. Is it revealing at all? I mean, don't we already know everything? Again, but this is what, this was Gabe's rant about The Last Dance. It's all stuff that you kind of know. But they're like, I did not know, for example... In the first episode, Lance Armstrong was a 15-year-old mega triathlete star. He was like, at 15 years old, he was destroying every world-class triathlete in world competition. I, I didn't know that he started as a triathlete. I thought he was just a bike guy. It started when he was like 15 years old. He became world famous in that small little niche sport. So it's amazing because what we're finding, <laughs> if you compare – a couple weeks removed, the last dance to Lance, who was obviously, you know, arguably the greatest bike racer of all time, depending on what you think about his blood doping. If you're one of the goats, 
chances are you're a huge dick. Because the first thing you realize about Lance Armstrong watching this documentary is what a dick he is. He's like an insufferable, awful human being. Well, yeah, and that goes for, I mean, what? If you want to just translate it over to sports, that goes to Barry Bonds, right? He was known as like the number one dick in all of baseball to media, to his teammates, to everybody. Jordan came off as a little bit of a dick in terms of the way that he berated his teammates. Oh, oh, of a dick, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and and you, OC, who won a million dollars in New York City, uh, winning the Professional Fighters League, you're a dick to me. So yeah, it all comes full circle. Full circle, full circle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think about it like John Jones. I think is the goat in mixed martial arts. UFC fighter John Jones. He's he notoriously he's notoriously a dick. Although is he? Yeah, although he did some pretty cool stuff the other night. He he lives in Albuquerque, and there were looters going around Albuquerque. Oh yeah, I saw that. He was painting the walls. No, he walked up to people that were trying to riot, like these little freaking Antifa-looking white kids, and he's just like, hey, give me that spray paint. <laughs> he's like, give it to me. You're not peacefully protesting. Oh, yeah, we got to get into that, too, by the way, because I want to know, number one, if you think that he's better than the Canadian dude, and number two, what's going on with his contract negotiations with Dana White. But we can do that in another episode. Anyway, so I thought, like, John Jones – might be a dick, but he's not completely without redeeming qualities because it was pretty funny to watch him go around and educate these young bucks that were about to cause havoc in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's like, this ain't about George Floyd. Give me the damn spray paint. And just like snatched it away from him. It was fantastic. What about Lance? Does he have any redeeming qualities? Did you watch both episodes? Uh, the dude raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer research. That's true. <laughs> so, like, yeah, obviously he's... This can't is, knock that. It's a complicated legacy because yeah. he, he was a cheater and he was a complete asshole to everyone around him. But what's the more valuable trade-off? Like, yeah, know, well, I saw, I, I saw a teaser for it and it said, I'm finding a hard time figuring out the difference between a good person that does horrible things and a horrible person that does good things. And that pretty much sums it up. I mean, cause yeah, he did a ton for cancer, but he not only went after the people that said that he cheated, he like ruined their careers and ruined their lives. It wasn't just that he was a liar. He was a vicious liar. You think about it. Like he was a total monster to all the people around him in cycling. Yeah. He was like, is his redemption found in the fact that he helped kids with cancer or whatever? I don't know. That's, I think, for viewers to decide. That's all for us to decide. And it's probably important when you translate it to all the greater things going on in the country right now, right? Like, sometimes monstrous people are capable of doing good things. Yeah. And it's important to think about. Sometimes good people are doing monstrous things. We're all pretty complicated. So, yeah, I think it goes to my favorite phrase, which is two things can be true at the same time. I think he could be a total unredeemable piece of shit but he also did a ton of good shit for a lot of people that needed it so i think you know whatever like you don't need to dissect it more than that you know i mean you're a great guy and i love you but you're also an asshole that doesn't respond to my funny cocaine text you know what i mean i, I responded in person i laughed to myself that doesn't mean anything don't you know what 2020 is oh see if it's not on social media you should have took a screenshot posted it on your Instagram, and said, I love Zach so much. Look at this funny text. Then I would feel like I, like I got some verification. That is the exact problem with our society today. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. We can end on that. Do yeah. I get one? Yeah. I got um, a new show on Netflix. It's called Space Force. 
<laughs> Steve Carell. Steve Carell, you know, Michael from The Office. And it is hilarious. It's a great show. I hope it is the next office of Netflix. But he is a general for the Air Force. And basically, the U.S. government starts a whole new division, which is Space Force. And he's supposed to be the lead general of it. And he's kind of like this, I don't know, like this idiot kind of character who just everything just uh, so he's goes right for him. Yeah, he's so, he's he, so he's, he's Michael, like, but in a new division of the Army. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's a good show, man. Uh, there's things that are going on that aren't explained. It's a show or a movie? It's a series on Netflix. There's nice. 10 episodes. I hope they have a second season. We're about like uh, episode six into it, my wife and I. So that's uh, that's my recommendation, and I, I really enjoy this one. I'll fire it up, and I'll piggyback on that just to say The Office is great for two reasons. Two words, Jim and Dwight. And OC famously dressed up as Dwight and was amazing on Instagram. Go look at his Instagram. He looks exact, like scarily like Dwight. But if you just YouTube <laughs> Jim and Dwight, the ways that Jim's with Dwight are so good. And when they just mash them up, because usually they just do it in like minute and a half little skits. But when you just see them back to back to back to back to back to back to back, it's so good. Office, yeah. I love it. Number one, that's my favorite show. Every shit, every shower. So good. I By the way, on. could not be released in 2020 because there is some sexist and homophobic stuff in there Absolutely. that you would not be able to get away with in 2020. 100%. You look at, look, you look at the goat comedies like Seinfeld and The Office and those, like yeah. you could not get away with no. that. Not, not a chance. I mean, just think about Richard Pryor, who's black, so you'd think he'd be able to get away with anything. His comedy would not. I mean, Dave Chappelle is probably the only person that's pushing the envelope like it used to be. Love it. All right. Love it. OC and Z, we out. Please, people, be good to each other. Yes. If you're going to be out protesting, keep it nonviolent. Stay safe. And if you're one of these police officers, understand, cameras are on you right now. The fact that you're still doing dumb shit while so many cameras are on you is very, very damning. It is really, really changing the public opinion about police officers. Don't be the bad egg that gives your whole department a bad name, please. Amen. And also, Amen. how about you just be kind, even assuming there's not cameras on you? That's probably the bigger root of the problem. But, yeah, I'm with you. The whole be kind just to be kind thing hasn't yeah. worked last 300 years so hopefully we can uh we can give people some better motivation than that i'm with you all right later thanks guys